people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back in on this tuesday morning like i said welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast as someone put in the comments the really and truly podcast i guess i say that phrase quite frequently almost as much as i can see penalties in a sunday league game um if you, I know the referee watches my content. If you're the referee of our last game, FC Everton's last game, use your linesman because one, the ball went out for a corner, and the, secondly, the the, um, the thing you've given a penalty for, he's offside. Third of all, you know, I've won the ball. You listen to your linesman. I'm a bit upset with that, but either way, my team. What it's been a good weekend. I know it's Tuesday now. But it's been a good weekend. My team, AFC Edmonton, defeated Arsenal FC, who are top of the table. They're a good side. Can't speak ill of them. I'm just saying we won. Like, it was nice to beat the top of the team, you know. Um, obviously, Arsenal did what they needed to do. So, for me, that's anything better than that is bread and butter, really. That's bread and butter. Anything else that comes my way over the weekend is a positive, is even more positive. I'm sure you've seen Leicester taking care of business yesterday against Leeds. You know, drama in the Liverpool versus West Ham game. Drama and, and Bale finally scores his, not his first goal for Spurs, but his first goal since his return for Spurs. There's been a lot really and truly. And obviously, I'm sure you've all seen the Southampton versus Aston Villa game. So let's speak about that. And I mean... Aston Villa lost. Um, I don't know what's being done by their defenders. There's, you know, there's free kicks. People are not jumping. People are not marking runners. John McGinn, who's about 5'7", 5'8", is marking almost the tallest men in the opposition side. And I'm seeing, you know, Konza, Tyrell, Mings and players like that. Free runners. Again, if that's zonal marking, that's fair play. But that's almost suicide. And it kind of contributed to their defeat. Big up Jack Grealish as well. I did think the keeper should have done better for his goal, but... Really showed a little bits and pieces why Southgate needs to stop denying him and he's gone truly up a level. And I think the only thing that harms Grealish is, you know, he's of the level where, he, with all due respect to Villa, he should be playing European football, whether that's Europa League or Champions League or playing for the top end. But obviously, they're probably looking at 70 odd million for Donny. So that probably flips it all on its head, people. But it is what it is, you know. The only person I think's had a better weekend than me is James Ward Prowse because, as you lot know, he turned 26. Um, when Southampton played against Aston Villa, he knocked in two free kicks. Um, you you know, he's one of the... Listen, let's not gas it. He's one of the best free kick takers in the Premier League and in the world. I'm not saying he's the best, you know, just by looking at him. You can clearly tell a man's put hours and hours into that. And he's one of them. He's probably one of the best ever in the league of all time, specifically in in regards to free kick taking. Listen to what I said, free kick. Ward Prowse is definitely up there. That technique he comes with is, is ridiculous and... I'd love to see him and Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, give him 10 free kicks, who can, who's going to score the most. He banged in two. I don't know which one was better. For me, I'd probably give it to the second one. You know, the angles are a bit tighter. They're a bit against him. He's that bit closer to their goal. He's got to do that much better to get up and down, and he did well, you know. And with that, he overtook, um, he equaled and overtook Matt Letizia's record for free kicks um, for Southampton people. He's now scored eight. Well, he's now, he's now scored eight people so he's take he's gone ahead and you know like i said on your birthday three points is all you want because that will ruin your birthday to score on your birthday let alone score two goals let alone to score two free kicks and overtake matt letizia in some sort of record you know you're having a good weekend and you must have done something all right obviously ward prowse he's been a low serviceman he's one of the footballers you can whether he's been loyal by ch choice or whatever he's been at southampton for a minute we all remember what was it against City, 17, 18 years of age. He made his debut and he's been 
at them and he's been getting better and developing ever since really really and truly and he's now at 26 coming into his own England are starting to look at Donny so it is what it is man it's good for him obviously he's now the ninth player in Premier League history to score two direct free kicks in a single game and the first since Christian Eriksen for Spurs in October 2015 beat Swansea I actually remember that game really and truly um, Christian Eriksen uh, before I forget apparently he's been linked with PSG people into Milan want to get rid Arsenal, can we be cheeky and get him on loan if he's on it? I don't know. But moving away from that, you also I've spent so long talking about James Ward-Prowse. I think Che Adams did all right. Danny Yang's doing what he can for my FPL team. Cracking finish by him. Um, is it Vestergaard also scored a header? Since the start of last season, only Jamie Vardy with 29 has scored more Premier League goals than Danny Ings, who has 27. While no other player has scored more from outside the box than Danny Ings in this period. Ings has five sharpshooter and it's a it's an interesting race in relation to England and England's um strikers you know because if I'm honest I don't know who's going we can probably you know Kane's a definite I would personally take Greenwood I think you know when you've got someone like Raheem Sterling that probably goes against the strikers you've got Calvert-Lewin who also scored in the Premier League that's just gone you know Callum Wilson bagged two for Newcastle has been in decent sort of form Patrick Bramford lost against Leicester, but he's been in decent form. You know, I'm not saying I would take him, but he is a wild card of sorts. You've got Tammy Abraham, of course. You've got Greenwood, of course. You've got a bag of different strikers popping up, you know. Even, okay, I don't think he's going to get it, but Oli Watkins has been on the score sheet last couple of games. So, again, this just makes it tougher and tougher and whatnot. Vardy as well. We know Vardy's retired from international football. Um, personally if, if if i was southgate and vardy makes himself available i'm probably taking him but at the same time i think if that was to become a case you've got to look past the player like on ability jamie vardy should go and he'd give us a dimension in our team whether he starts or not but at the same time not that again i get why he stopped playing football you know at international level he's got to think about his career you know prolonging his career um obviously he's coming to the game later or when i say come into the game coming to the top level even later and whatnot and on one hand it's fantastic what he's done you know 100 odd goals in the premier league and ever counting but on the other time he's got less time to get earnings and just have a career as a professional footballer so he's got to look after his body so i get that you know i, I don't know but losing losing the prem the international fixtures out of your personal football calendar that saves your legs that also gives you more time for your family and I don't know if he actually has sons or daughters, but he's got a wife. I, I assume, you know, his wife knows the industry he's in, but would like more time with him. And that's what it prefers. Also, from a management point of view, as I said, technical wise, technically wise, Jamie Vardy, no contest. And I'm not saying I'm not questioning his commitment levels. But for me, you know, I could argue when I called, needed you the most or called upon you or, you know, needed you to help me with this Euros qualifying. You said you're not available. So, you know, other players have helped me along the way. Other players haven't done what they've done with their selection why is it when it's confirmed now i should let you be part of the fruits of our label like i said jamie vardy gives us something else but i do if i was a manager i probably wouldn't take him now that i say that really and truly but southampton like i said man southampton did what they needed to do going back to what's that task man you know southampton have had a good start to the season they've picked up 13 points from their opening seven games so far losing two drawing one and winning four the Saints, this is the most the Saints have collected at this stage of a campaign since 2014-15, which they also collected 13. So it's been a good, strong run for them. You know, Martinez, unfortunately, you know, you weren't in the acrobatics and the heroics as you normally have been since you leave, left Arsenal. But it is what it is. You know, I'm sure Southampton and Hassan Hortu and the Gaffer would have liked it to stay at 3-0 or look a bit more convincing. Aston Villa, it was a poor day, but at least there, not that it matters, but at least there's more pride on the, on, on the score sheet.
Moving away from that though, people, and I can't wait. We've got to talk about Arsenal versus Manchester United. Manchester United nil, Arsenal won. It's been 13, 14 long years of waiting to beat them in the league since 2006 and we at, at Old Trafford and we finally did it. Now, for me, let me not lie, it was a low-key affair. What I mean by that is neither team was hardly cutting the other team open and mad chances, keepers doing mad reflexes and all of these things. At a push, Arsenal clearly had more possession. We clearly had more opportunity. At a push, looking at it from a neutral point of view, you know, Arsenal probably, you know, I'd say we need to take advantage of our of, of, of the opportunities, the very few opportunities we created in open play, you know. I'm not saying William should have scored, but just to highlight, William hit the poles, you know, a couple of ball, you know, Lacazette, obviously it hit Lindelof before it came to him. Bellerin charged the ball down, um, fizzed the ball across and no one was kind of there. These sort of half chances, you want to see us make more of a meal. And in general, you know, considering we had a lot of play, considering Bellerin and Tierney and Saka in, in particular had a lot down the flanks, can we test them a bit more? I think... You know, we we had to relax. It was good play to uh, good build up and good play to the, in the build up to the penalty and capitalise on Pogba's mistake. But um, and I'll take a win as it comes. But you know, that was a set piece more or less. It was a dead ball situation. So that's probably the only thing I would like to see us improve upon. Other than that, you know, it was a fantastic performance. I always said going into this game for both teams, it's not always about tactics. All the tactics does play a part. You saw it. I feel a big part as to why they lost is Oli was a bit too negative, thought about the threat Arsenal could probably do. And I don't think he reacted. I feel in the first 10, 5, 10 minutes, you could see, OK, Arsenal are going to have a lot of this ball. We're going to be a bit more stronger. Let's react. And I felt, you know, we let them play out from the back. The ball's falling to Fred. He's only able to give it to McTominay or McTominay back to him. It's for or Wamba Saka or the back line. With all due respect, you don't mind. We don't mind this. We don't mind these players having the ball and trying to play out from the back and whatnot. And the occasional ball from Maguire. We've got men back in numbers, so they're gonna play into that. I don't think. I don't think. Ole Golashosa reacted, and I also think it was the second half. Now I think Fred was playing all right, but I understand the sub. His skill set is not to break the lines. Plus he's on a yellow. But for me, Fred for Matic, I started laughing, people, because I knew this is not a man that wants to win. I did think both teams at periods were a bit timid and didn't want to lose, but, you know, Oli didn't want to get something from the game. When you're bringing on Matic for Fred, you know, shout out to Matic for trying to dive as well. Fantastic um, tackle from Gabriel. But it that symbolised to me that, you know, you don't want to get something out of this game because you could have brought in a matter. I'm sure United fans have other suggestions as to what they would have done. Um, so I feel they got shagged. But also, let's not get it twisted. I feel the players were... were the United players were a bit toothless. I think Bruno was ineffective. You know, and on top of forcing them to play out from the back, we forced their key players to drop. You know, Bruno was ineffective and was just buzzing about everywhere and just aimlessly trying to play forward passes. Rashford spent the whole period on the floor holding his head. Um, you know, I think Greenwood was all right, to be fair with you. I think he's unlucky to be subbed. I think Greenwood was the one, I'd say, causing the most problems. You know, he, he got a good foul off Gabriel. He was very good with his back to goal, just turning and evading tackles. I think he was decent. The rest weren't on this thing at all, people. And they've got to take full responsibility for that. But I think Ole Gullasolsha lost this game as much. For Arsenal, people talk about us not cut clear cut, not creating clear-cut chances, apologies, and cutting teams open and the rest of it. And all of that is true. But at the same time, you have to be solid defensively. And I personally feel, while we didn't create hella chances and do a madness and test the keeper, we definitely, in comparison to the other top six games so far, you know, against top six opposition or whatever, we, we had a bit of a balance. We, you know, locking it down defensively, but also thinking about the threat we could pose. And I saw that we was getting men forward. What I liked from an Arsenal perspective as well, 
individually players didn't want to let their teammates the fans or anyone down and they all took accountability for their individual performance so collectively it made we it made sure we shined you know i couldn't have asked more for anyone on that field gabriel um Thomas Partey, El Nene, for me, three, three players head and shoulders above everybody else. El Nene, you know, you see in 90th minute, El Nene pressing, he's playing forward pass, he's trying to break out and play. Partey is also doing the same as well in the midfield. And, you know, four against two men, you would have backed United, especially when they've got the quality of Pogba, of, of, of Bruno Fernandes, when you've got the balance that Fred and maybe a McTominay gives you. I only think he needed one of them. You could have played Van Der Beek in a game like this. But we did what we needed to do. I also feel Bellerin and Tierney are not getting enough credit. You know, Tierney made a number of important blocks and interceptions and read the play. I couldn't have asked Bellerin for anything more. He was going forward. He was trying to be a thorn in the side. And I'm very harsh on Bellerin because I like him a lot. He did what he needed to do. Man to a man, you know, Rob Holding, solid. You know, Lacazette, he didn't score. But, you know, I think after all... Gabriel and Partey, potentially El Nene. I think Lacazette made around four tackles. He put himself around. Um, Aubameyang put himself about. Every is a good team performance, people, really and truly. I couldn't have asked anyone for anything more. And for Arsenal, obviously, it gives us confidence. It shows the players that it can be done. You can do it if you listen in the week and apply yourselves and show that courage. You can win. But in a good way, let's store it and let's reset back to zero because... You know, we've still got to welcome Man United to our place. We've still got to welcome Liverpool to our place. We've still got to welcome Man City to our place. We still have to go against Leicester. We've still got two games against Spurs. There's still tough games coming thick and fast. Yeah, it's good to win against a top six team because Arsenal's record against such is is, is well documented. You know, I'm, I am more confident against Man United than Liverpool and City for obvious reasons. But we're still in the negative in a positive way. You know, we've had four tests. We've won one. We failed three times. So let's go and put that right. Let's store this in a positive way and reset and work hard to have this positive result again. Um, Obviously, with all due respect to Man United and Ole Gullah Solskjaer, I mean no malice. When you play against Man United in comparison to Liverpool and Manchester City, you're obviously probably going to be a bit more expansive, a bit more expressive, have a bit more about yourself because they're a bunch of individuals, not necessarily a well-coached side, um, with all due respect to Ole Gullah Solskjaer, so I get it. But um, yeah, man, I want to see a bit more of this sort of performance um, elsewhere. But anyways, it's three points. You know, it could out turn out to be a six-pointer. It's always vital to take points off your rivals, especially Man United. Probably, what, Man United, Man United, Spurs, Arsenal, probably will fighting for fourth place. Chelsea probably opens up third, but um, third and fourth place up for debate. But it depending on if they gel, but I'd back them to get top four. Liverpool and, and City, I hope to be wrong, but are shooings. Statistically, you know, I'm not going to complain, people. You know, Man United haven't managed to keep a clean sheet in their last 13 games against Arsenal. Um, Manchester United have attempt, attempted just one shot at a point in that game, people. Their fewest, which is in the first half, they were very toothless. And considering you've got Greenwood, Rashford on the field, Pogba, Bruno, you know. It's not a well-coached side and you must say, you know, when you see Pochettino on Monday Night Football, he must be licking his lips because depending on what happens at City, I mean at Manchester United, you could have a role here. Pep Guardiola is probably going to stay at City but linked with a move away, you could probably end up there. Who knows what's going to happen with Lampard and Chelsea. I think Lampard's there and he's going to be a success but there's also that. You've also got to look at Zidane's situation at Real Madrid, potentially even Ronald Koeman's. I know it's very early into his reign. But, you know, Barca haven't even started the best of seasons. Dare I even say for Pochettino, maybe even Juventus. You know, Perlo's not started the best of things. I'm not saying these men are going to get sacked. I'm just saying he must be licking his lips potentially at all the potential destinations he could have. Even his former club, PSG, PSG depending on what Tuku does in the champs. Um, it is what it is. 
Pogba has a problem conceding penalties under Oli Solskjaer. No other United player has conceded more than one under Oli Solskjaer. However, Paul Pogba has conceded three penalties. I must say, Pogba's looked tired this season for all his poor form, and he needs to face the music. He was poor, but I mean, he looked poor against Brighton, forgive me if I'm wrong. Tired against Brighton too. The same goes for Palace, same goes for Arsenal. And I'm sure there's another game I'm missing out where he got hooked quite early. Um, you know he's had injuries, I know he's had COVID and whatnot, but he just hasn't looked himself, man. And yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Pogba, but it's all about the application. That's why I have right now, until Pogba can display the consistency levels, on ability, his levels are better, but consistently and everything considered, Kevin De Bruyne is ahead of me. I know Thiago's just, just for me, I'm sorry, I know Thiago's just hit the Premier League, so we can't really draw conclusions, but I think Thiago as well, because I think Thiago's going to show me consistency. You know, Pogba's got all the ability in the world. On ability, he probably is the best player in the Premier League, give or take. Like, there's a couple, but ability doesn't mean nothing without consistent application um, and Pogba at 26 27 even more older needs to start showing that in the league he's had a good career he is scapegoated a lot but by the same token man have to face the music um, so yeah he's conceded three penalties Manchester United have conceded five penalties in their last seven Premier League home games um, which is crazy considering the previous five penalties they had conceded at Old Trafford in the competition came over a period of 101 games so maybe that's something for the defense, for, you know, what does that tell me? Individual errors are happening at an alarming rate. People are failing to concentrate, you know. So that's for the players to sort themselves out mentally, but also for Oli Golasosha to address that. <clears throat> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who was struggling for goals and, you know, we still wanted to score from open play, is the first player to score a penalty at Old Trafford in the Premier League with neither of the previous attempts being converted. You had Robin Van Persie in 2011 and in 2006 you had Gabriel um, Gilberto Silva. Arsenal, have, I mean, Manchester United have lost at home against Manchester... Uh, what, well, bro, this ain't making no sense. Manchester United have lost at home against Arsenal in the Premier League for the first time since September 2006, ending a run of 13 games against the Gooners. Arsenal have won away at a big six side in the Premier League for the first time since a 2-0 win against Man City in January 2015. They did say Aubameyang didn't score in big games. I guess they were right, people. <laughs> it's all banter, man, but... On, on finally on that, Manchester United have taken just seven points from their six Premier League games this season. Their joint lowest at this stage since David Moyes' short stint at the helm between 13-14. Uh, they went on to finish seventh that campaign. Hopefully that continues. It kind of makes Arsenal's job easier. Big up El Nene, as I said, because, you know, he made 66 passes. He made 55 completed passes, 39 passes in the opposition half. And he conceded just one foul considering he played against Pogba, Bruno, Van der Beek and the rest of them. And, and a Rashford who's probably still rolling around the old Trafford floor right now. I can't, I'm a big fan of Rashford, but he was quite annoying in that game. Um, it was quite ridiculous from Rashford to how many times he's going to floor. But Bruno as well, get up, man. Um, it's quite ridiculous. You can't big up El Nene without bigging up Thomas Partey, who pocketed Paul Pogba. I don't know where Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, Greenwood, Bruno Fernandes are. Someone please notify the local authorities. But on that note, banter aside, Thomas Partey, just by looking at the numbers, 100% completed take-ons, 100% aerial duels won, and 93% accuracy. He had 79 touches. He made 11 ball recoveries. He won 10 duels. duels. Um, he made four tackles. I don't think that's, that one's true by Shaqwa. Um, three take-ons completed, two interceptions, two fouls, one and one clearance. And forget all of that. You know, just by looking at the eyes, complete dominant performance showed Pogba how to be a midfielder, a central midfielder, bullied him. Oh, um, big up Gabriel, as I said as well. You know, Tierney played very well. Bellerin played very well. Gabriel, once again, was a colossus at the back. 
Rob Holden deserves his, his praise as well. You know, um, I think only Gabriel made more tackles than Partey against Manchester United. So it was a big performance. And, and what can I say? I'm completely happy with that. Newcastle defeated Everton. Everton, who many people tipped to get top four and win the league and all other conclusions, have now had back-to-back defeats. I think that's the first time Carlo Ancelotti has actually lost to Newcastle. Um, I don't think Calvert-Lewin will be happy, but, you know, he keeps his goal-scoring rate going up. And with the Euros at the end of the campaign, every goal you score means Southgate finds it harder and harder to leave you out if he was, you know. Um, And also for Callum Wilson, I don't think he's going to get into the England squad, but you score goals, you don't know what happens. He's got five goals, people, in seven games for Newcastle. Been quite deciding and considering, you know, Newcastle know their strikers They've had a long history. They've got a long, rich history with strikers. You know, Les Ferdinand, Cole. You know, I wasn't. I was trying to avoid saying Alan Shearer, but yeah. And even in present day, guys like C. Say Bar, they've always had a decent little striker there. You know, whether they've been you know, Les Ferdinand. You know, they've always had a good forward there of of all different levels. But they've also always been a consistent goal scorer in recent years. Obviously, they've had Andy Carroll's got his moments, but isn't quite. I wouldn't describe as prolific. Joel Campbell's de- um Joel Linton apologies definitely isn't prolific but Callum Wilson you know big weight on his shoulders end of the day you know he got two goals against Everton he's bagged a penalty and it looked like he clapped a goal off the line by Ryan Fraser I'm not gonna lie the two former Bournemouth men speaking of Bournemouth as I said Callum Wilson has five goals in seven Premier League games for Newcastle which is as many as he um, scored in his final 30 appearances for Bournemouth Carlo Ancelotti has also lost consecutive league matches for the first time since September 2014 um, when he was with Real Madrid in La Liga and he um, and he lost against Sociedad a 4-2 defeat and lost 2-1 against Real against Atletico Madrid in the Madrid derby. So it's a stress. But Everton have started the season strongly and long may it continue from an Everton perspective. I'm pretty sure nobody expected to... Any, anyone, everyone in this Prem, I don't think it's going to be a Premier League for, for records breaking and all of these things. I think it's going to be an extraordinary one, but not for record breaking because no one looks 100% convincing. You know, Le- Leicester, for me, started the season very strongly and have done. But have they been convincing across all aspects? Probably not. Southampton have looked good. Have they been? Liverpool and City, they're, they're doing their job and they're, you know, doing what they need to do. But again, I'm sure you speak to most fans. They would say at times making games harder than it needs to be. Arsenal, we've got the best defence in the league after seven games and that should be highlighted a bit more. But again, we're toothless up front really and truly and we're not playing to that standard. So we're not 100% convincing. People said Spurs can win the league and whatnot. Is anyone not seeing how they make get also make games tougher than it needs to be? Bell had to come on and save them against Brighton, and we, which we'll get onto. So it's a bit of a dodgy one, you know. Leeds have been convincing up until they played new uh, up until they played Leicester, in which they were put to the sword four goals to one. A brace from Telemans, Barnes and Vardy also got on the score sheet, and they took care of business. You know, you look at the only positive is Stuart Dallas is the first Irishman to score for Leeds United in the top flight since Nigel um, Worthington did against West Ham in December 1994, a couple of months before I was born in April of 95. So first time in my lifetime I've seen a Northern Irishman bag for Leeds in the Premier League. Good bit of history for Dallas to tell his grandkids or his current children. Um, but other than that, it was a tough night for Leeds. Put to the sword, second best over many departments, got smacked up. And now they've lost back-to-back home games for the first time under Bielsa um, since... Um, well, first time under Bielsa, and it's the first time as a club they've been they've been in this territory since March 2018 under Paul Heckenbottom. So they've got to get back to familiar ways, people. With this, though, Leicester have made their joint 
best ever start to a top flight campaign after seven games, matching their tally of 2000-2001 where they had 15 points. They also started well last year and let's hope they learned well. For Rodgers, I hope they learned their lesson and if they are in the Champions League place from early or when we get to the turn of the year, that they get that through because... You listen, it was a good season from Leicester, but it ended on a sour note. The way they were playing over that period, they let themselves down. Chelsea and United licking their lips at Leicester, bottling it. Um, because they should have, Jamie Vardy should be playing in the Champions League. Instead, you know, they're playing in the Europa. So can they learn from their mistakes? It appears so, um, people. Jamie Vardy's strike obviously saw him become the seventh player in Premier League history to score nine consecutive away goals, um, people, in the competition. And the first since Harry Kane. Harry Kane got 13 on the road, people. Um, in September 2017, so it was quite a madness. Speaking of Harry Kane, you know, he done what he needed to do from my FPL team, scoring a goal um, against in Spurs' 2-1 victory over Brighton. You know, Gareth Bale off the bench, finally scores his first goal since returning, a, a wonderful header after, you know, Regulon's a very good fullback. Any of you that was watching Seville could see that, and you can see he's uh, going to be, a, if he's not already, a great signing for Spurs, and you're praying that Madrid are seeing this, and they say, yo, we want our Donny back. Lovely cross from him as a fullback, a Sunday league fullback. I, I'm more appreciative of that than Bell scoring. It was a lovely ball. People don't appreciate us fullbacks. Lovely ball from Regulon, and it made sure Bell scored, and that has now been, you know, Bell's had to wait seven years and 166 days for that, people. You know, it's been a long time coming um, you know he done so in his farewell appearance against Sunderland back in May 2013 um, and he scored 200 seconds after entering the field so away from the euphoria of Bell's history with Spurs good substitution from Jose Mourinho but again I think it highlights what I've been saying in that games especially the top the teams you know the top six I know we didn't finish in the top six making games harder than it has to be Spurs have Spurs have looked more convincing away from home in their performances at home and they've got over the line at home but I'm sure many Spurs fans that are not on a bias thing will agree they've made games harder than it needs to be at the end of the day you get away with it you win the game it means nothing but sometimes you end up like a Newcastle result which happened to them in which they're all over Newcastle, fail to take their opportunities and, you know, VAR shags them. So that's going to be something that harms Spurs on top of poor defending. So like I said, not one single team is looking 100% convincing over all aspects of their play. Um, you know, big up to, uh, big up Lamperty for obviously bagging as well and getting on the score sheet. Done so for my FPL team. The game was marred by VAR, you know, it's looking, you know, the Kane business, the Lamperty business. Personally, Hoiberg, Kane and Son, it looked like they were far too happy to go to ground very easily and it wasn't really gamesmanship, but it is what it is. Final note on Kane, um, he's been directly involved in 14 goals um, after only seven games this season. 14 goals, six goals and eight assists after, um, after only seven games, as I said. And that's the most of any player in Europe's top five divisions. Um, the nearest you get is Lewandowski with 13, which is a goal behind him and Considering you've got Champions League between Tuesday and Wednesday, you'd imagine Lewandowski ties that up. Saying that, though, you know, when I've watched Lewandowski in Europe and seen Bayern Munich tearing teams apart, Lewandowski hasn't necessarily been doing a mazzaline. Um, for Brighton, Pascal Gross has now assisted 16 Premier League goals for Brighton, double that of any other player for the Seagulls, so a bit of history for him. Wolves defeated Crystal Palace two goals to nil. Ryan Etnori, a player I've done a video on, used to play for Anger, a fullback who's on loan at them, scored on his debut. Um, you know, he's the 15th Frenchman to score on his Premier League debut. Um, and at 19 years of age and 146 days old, he's also the youngest Frenchman to do so, people. 
Daniel Podance had a good game. He scored an assist, I believe, people. Um, but he has scored two goals in 15 appearances and both have come against Crystal Palace at the Molyneux. Molyneux. And he's, he also netted in this fixture in July. So I'm sure a lot of you who bet and are punters, you took a, you took a little risk on that and made your little money. Um, less Liverpool, you know, it seems like Liverpool's games of recent are just all about lo- going behind and it's looking like you're losing and then bagging two goals again. I mean, Jota is fast, rapidly... Uh, um, increasing his reputation amongst Liverpool fans and I'm sure they'd agree he's p- turned out to be more of an important signing than potentially could have and I'm seeing a lot of them speak about can we reshuffle the team to incorporate Yota more often and probably drop out Firmino right now um, end of the day they did what he needed to do felt sorry for West Ham it was a bit of a harsh penalty I mean yeah it was a bit of a harsh pen clearly missed the dynamic that Mikel Antonio gives them but it is what it is, people. Liverpool have scored each of their last 18 penalties they have taken in all comps. Uh, Mo Salah has netted 13. Um, Fernandes, you know, all four of Fernandes' goals have been scored against teams beginning with an L. Two against Leicester, two against Liverpool. The most scored in Premier League history with all goals coming against teams with the same letter. So he's got a bit of a hoodoo. For Liverpool, we know, again, nobody's looked convincing defensively and you throw them into that. They've conceded the first goal in three of their last four home games this season as many as they did in all 19 matches at Anfield last season according to Opta so that's something to consider um big up Yotta as I said he's just the second player to score in all all in all of his three first Premier League appearances for Liverpool at Anfield after Luis Garcia did in October 2004 and what I liked about Yotta he kept going man he got shagged by VAR but he kept going and kept having a goal people really and truly um, big up Kyle Walker, who, you know, marked his 100th appearance for, for Manchester City with a goal in, in Manchester City's 1-0 victory against Sheffield United at Yorkshire. You know, Kyle Walker's former club, a team he said he'd like to go back to before he ends his career. It was a good strike from outside the box. And six of his eight Premier League goals have come from outside the box, people. And this is first away from home in the competition. I'm sure he didn't want it to come against them. For Chris Wilder, he's currently on 99 wins as a Sheffield United boss. However, he's without a win in 11 matches in all competitions, losing nine and drawing two. This is the longest winless run of his managerial career. Now, Chris Wilder deserves to be backed. He's done a lot for that club. But, you know, Chris Wilder, Sean Dyche, if these are other people with not as much attachment to the club or if there were foreign managers coming in, we're probably looking and saying, you know, why you got the sack, really? And I don't want Chris Wilder to get sacked. I think he's the man to turn it around. By the end of the day, we're, we're in a results game business. And every defeat for Sheffield United makes it makes his position, you know, scarier and scarier. I'm sure Burnley will be upset. You know, they succumbed to a 3-0 defeat at their place against Chelsea. You know, Werner got on the score sheet. Hakim Ziyech got a goal and assist. Zuma made sure he got on the score sheet. Tammy got an assist. Quite a good performance from Chelsea, man. Um, I've always said Timo Werner is going to score goals. And um, people, um, since the start of last season, only Robert, oh, only Robert Lewandowski with 37 has scored more goals when excluding penalties in Europe's top five leagues um, than Timo Werner, who has 28. Hakim Ziyech is the first player to score in both of his first two starts for Chelsea in all comps since Diego Costa in August 2014. And I mean, you know, Ziyech looked good in, well, looked good last week in the Europa League. I know it's not the toughest of oppositions and he looked good. He still don't look like he's 100% as he wouldn't be still adapting. He's probably not all the way fit. He's had some injuries and things that have disrupted his start to the season. But he's going to be a good signing for them and complement them very well. I think him and Werner are the ones, you know, you know, 
what's, what's his face? Havertz is a baller. He's going to be a baller. But for me, I think Werner's a sort of instant man. And I think Ziyech is going to be better than a lot of people expect him to be. Not that he doesn't have a lot of fans already. Um, for Burnley, Burnley have picked up just one point from their opening six games this season. Their worst ever start to a league season in their history. So that's something that's going to probably make Sean Dykes lose even more here. And he doesn't have much on his head, really. Um, West Bromwich Albion can't buy a win and neither can Fulham. However, it was Fulham's day. You know, they won 2-0 um, with that three po- with just three points from their opening seven games in the season. West Brom have made their worst start to a league campaign since 1985-1986, um, which is quite poor people. Fulham have picked up their first victory and clean sheet in the Premier League since April 2019 against Cardiff. Bielik was quite vocal on his team. He praised on loan player Conor Gallagher from Chelsea, but he was upset. He said they were stronger, sharper and quicker. Their passing was better. They were better in areas of the pitch where it makes the difference. It hurts. We didn't deserve a thing from this game. They were better than us. At, they were better than us in everything, in quality, commitment, everything. We can't play like this. We have to be in the red zone. We have to be crazy. We have to be what we were in the last few days, which is crazy, people. He also said, this is not good when you see young players doing more than others. We have to work hard like we have done in previous in previous games. If we can't do that, we have no chance. And that's what I like about Bilic. Firmly blunt, takes no prisoners. And it's 100% facts what he's saying, people. You can't move away from that. What a week it's been in terms of Premier League action. If we quickly move briefly to the Champions League, people, quickly... Um, you know, before I talk about the games to come, Pep Guardiola has claimed this season's Champions League will be more than will be more difficult than ever for Man City to win, getting their excuses in early. They've never got as you lot know since Manuel Pellegrini left in you know since they've left, they haven't gone better than where he was in terms of the semi final. They haven't gone further than the twenty than a semi final appearance in twenty fifteen sixteen. And I do think the last two times they've come unstuck, there's been player performances to question over the two legs. But at some point, Pep Guardiola has overcomplicated things and played a big part in relation to his team's demise. Um, this is obviously the 10th consecutive season they'll be in the competition. And considering the cash, they ain't reached the final. It's a bit mad. He said, it's tough, really tough. There's many examples to prove what I'm saying. There are more games with managers better prepared, more games where they know what they have to do. Teams are better. There is more money everywhere, not just a few clubs. A lot of clubs have the possibility to spend and buy players and they are important managers. It's difficult. Last season, Atlanta, look what happened. Semi-finals of the Champions League and the Italian League was incredible. Shakhtar, look what happened. And now in Madrid and a draw against Inter, it's ridiculous that didn't exist before. It doesn't matter where you go. It's hard to qualify for the knockout stage. Every time we qualify, I say to the players, congratulations, enjoy that moment. But it's the first success of the season to qualify for the next round. It's difficult every game, even with the pandemic. The situation is more uncertain with all clubs. You can go away and struggle, go away where you have where you have to have a good game and beat them. At home as well, it is a tricky competition. It is why I'm delighted so far. We cannot miss this chance to get nine points and be in a position just one more step. 16 best teams in Europe. This is the target. Porto is a team which has to win every weekend. Olympiacos the same. They have to win. You play with this mentality, you have to win too. Always it's difficult. And that's facts, man. And, you know, they've got a difficult group, but not necessarily names, but just by looking at them. Zinedine Zidane, you know, obviously on, on their Champions League has been a bit of a bit of a fray one. And I, it's not a relevance to the champs, but Zinedine Zidane is back in Karim Benzema, Eden Hazard and Mar- Marco Asensio 
to basically become the new, you know, BBC when it was obviously Bale, Ronaldo and Benzema himself. And you lot know Benzema's got 45 goals since 2018-19 in La Liga. Bale obviously is not a thing anymore temporarily and Hazard has struggled for form and fitness since he was brought in to Real Madrid last season. He made his first appearance of the season in, in, in the 4-1 victory over Helsinki. And that was his first goal in 392 days, so over a year. He did the same sort of thing at Chelsea. There's no hiding place at Madrid because their fans won't take it. Their board won't take it. He needs to perform. Um, Zidane's talking highly of his players. He said, the players who are here always want to make history. Those three you just said are important and I'm sure they can define an error in Madrid. Those three are important and are going to do important things. I know there is talk about us needing to change things in the squad. But what I see inside is that everyone wants to win and compete. And that's very good for the coach, who is me at the moment. I enjoy all my players and we are going to try with everyone to achieve the objectives. And I mean, you know, when you see Benzema getting get telling Mendy not to pass to Vecinia, you've got to pattern them things in-house. And I know Varane's been calling for unity and whatnot. On the topic of Champions League and, and, and whatnot, people, it's been impacted by a lot of off-field matters. Um, Edar Milato will miss Real Madrid's Champions League clash with Inter Milan after testing positive for COVID-19. Um, Nick Sole will miss, will miss the upcoming Champions League and Bundesliga games for Bayern Munich after he tested positive as well. Um, spare a thought for Ajax as they've been left stunned after more after more than 11 players test well after up to 11 players tested positive for for the virus and that means some of their players can't actually uh, can't actually travel and whatnot and that means between potentially 11 and 15 players could be ruled out of this game after they remained in Amsterdam to undergo further test testing apparently Ajax have contacted UEFA for permission for some players to fly to Denmark tomorrow obviously they're playing Michelin just hours before the game um, apparently Dusan Tajik Dusan Tadic and Davy Klaassen, two key parts of their squad, are not in the squad right now and they're trying to get them to travel. Um, ra on a rather different note, but same theme, Rangers have suspended Jordan Jones and George Edmondson for breaching COVID regulations, the club have confirmed. So apparently both will isolate for two weeks and probably there'll be fines and the rest of it for them and there. Um, so we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. Moving away from that, though, and bringing up the Champions League, there's some tasty fixtures today. The early kickoffs, the 5.55 kickoffs, well, 5.55 UK time. You've got Shakhtar versus Gladbach. Now, Shakhtar putting performances against Inter and Real Madrid, so I'm keen to see that. Um, Locomotive versus Atletico Madrid, due, due to be a tasty one. You've got Albi Salzburg against Bayern Munich. Again, Dominic Saboslai watch again against a top opposition Real Madrid against Inter Milan. Real Madrid have made tough work of trying to get out of this Champions League group stage. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Is it not two? Is it not two draws for them against? Well, a draw and a defeat. And now they've got Inter. By uh, Lukaku, apparently has been ruled out, but they're going to need to win. They can't buy a win in the group stages. They're making it tougher. And there's a good possibility based on what we're seeing right now. Real Madrid probably end up in Europa League. You've got Man City against Olympiacos. As we were speaking about, you know, Pep Guardiola wants them to get nine points. Run away with this league as quickly as possible. Don't make it make it hard. Don't make this group stage harder than it has to be. Okay, Porto, Marseille and Olympiacos might not be the toughest teams. And I agree, I expect them to go through. But they're all tough grounds to go to. So they've got to win. They've got to put themselves in a good position. You know, they've done what they've needed to do the last two games. They've now got Olympiacos who are a tough side and have their own sort of pedigree people. Um, you know, so we'll have to see people. Um, 
Olympiacos don't travel well. They've lost 14 of their 16 major UEFA European matches in England, although they have won two of their last four visits, both against Arsenal in 2020, in February 2020 and September 2015. Um, so it's a bit booky. Their ma manager, Pep Guardiola, has won his two previous Champions League games against Olympiacos. He won 3-0 and 4-0 with Bayern Munich, respectively. Um, only Barcelona and Porto have conceded more away Champions League goals in England than Olympiacos with 29 by um, Barcelona apologies with 39 Porto with 33 um, so there's a lot to consider in that regards people um, you've got Atlanta versus Liverpool you'd expect Atlanta to, um, to pose a, a difficult threat you know Atlanta sit second on four points Liverpool are sixth Liverpool do have some injury problems that's not going to be an easy game it's also Liverpool's first encounter with Atlanta in the competition. Atlanta are set to face their third different English opponent, having previously met Everton in 2017-18 UEFA Cup. And obviously last season they played Manchester City in the Champions League. Um, apparently Liverpool have lost all three of their away UEFA Champions League matches in Italy under Jurgen Klopp, um, which is a difficult one. So we'll have to see. Um, However, Liverpool have won each of their last three away games in the Champions League group stages after losing four in a row before this. Um, so there is a bit to be confident about. You've got Michelin versus Ajax, as said. You've got Istanbul against um, Manchester United tomorrow. And I'm sure United want to bounce back and get back to winning ways after, you know, disappointment at the weekend. And it'll be the first time Istanbul play Man Manchester United in European competition. Um, the only time they've played English opponents prior to this game was in qualifying of the Europa, the Europa Champions League 2018-19, where they lost on aggregate 1-0 to Sean Dyche's Burnley side. Um, you know, Manchester United have lost each of their last two away games against Turkish opponents to Fenerbahce and Galatasaray, respectively. Man United are looking to win their first three matches in the Champions League group stages for the ninth time and obviously they got a good result against PSG they demolished in the second half Leipzig so they've put themselves in a good position you know and I'm sure Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't want to make the Champions League any harder than it needs to be you've got Zenit St. Petersburg against Lazio you've got Barcelona against Dynamo Kiev you've got Ferencarnos against Juventus you've got Club Bruges versus Jaden Sanjos and Jude Bellingham and Gio Reyna's Borussia Dortmund Seville against Kanzonspor You've got Chelsea against Range, Reigns, Rens, apologies. You know, Mendy will be returning against his old team. And, you know, I'm sure Peter Cech will be in attendance because he's got allegiances to both clubs. They've never, both teams have never faced each other in previous competition. I hope to see Brendan, Brandon Sope, the right back. And I also hope Jeremy Doku has a good game, as well as Kamavinga, if fit and traveling, because I know he didn't play in the last game week. Chelsea have lost just one of, of their, their nine home Champions League games against French sides. Um, the last one came against PSG in March 2016. Rennes have lost their two their two European games in England. They lost it. They lost in 2019 to Arsenal 3-0, and they lost in 2001 in the Intertoto Cup to Aston Villa. Chelsea have only suffered one defeat in 15 previous home games in the group stage of the Champions League, where they lost 1-0 to Valencia last season. Um, Rennes are on a five-game losing streak away from home in major European competitions with four defeats in this run coming since the start of last season. Rules are there to be broken. Stats are there to be broken. So Chelsea should have confidence, but you've also got to respect them. You've also got Leipzig against PSG, which is going to be a good game as well, people. If we move away from this and go to the real, real European competition, the one where the real ones are playing in, 
um, people with Arsenal. One second, I need to scroll down. You've got, I don't know that team name really, people. I'm not going to lie. I think you've, is that Tel Aviv? B Shiva against, you've got B Shiva. I don't know the acronym, but they'll be playing Leverkusen. You've got Lee, you've got Lech Poznan, you've got Poznan against Standard Liege. You know, you've got Benfica against Rangers. You know, Slavia Prague against Nice. I'm about to say nice about Nice. You know, Jeffrey Adley's Nice. You've got Paco against PSV. Hopefully, Daniel Marlin plays and, and Noni Maduke, who's playing quite well domestically for PSV, former Spurs and Crystal Palace man. Sociedad against AZ Alkmaar. Ludogrets against Spurs. You know, Spurs' manager, Jose, was very critical of their last performance in the Europa League. You're going to need to see a reaction. You've got Roma welcoming Cluj to their ground. You've got Raika against Napoli. AC Amonia against Granada. Rapid Vienna against Dam Dork. Sivaspor against Kayarabag. Tel Aviv against, well, we'll travel to Villarreal and play in the Emre's team. Antwerp versus LASK. Dynamo Zagreb versus Wolfsburg. Um, you've got Feyenoord versus CSK Moscow. You've got Arsenal against Mulder. And that's going to be an interesting game. This will be the first time we play each other. Um, obviously, we've won three of our last four games against Norwegian opponents. Um, last time was obviously a 5-1 win against Rosenberg in 2004 when Perez, Van Persie, Cesc Fabregas, Reyes, R.I.P. and Thierry Henry got on the score sheet. This will be Moldes' first meeting with English opponents. They've never beaten English opposition away from home. Let's not allow them to be the first time to do it. They've won four of their last six away matches in the Champions League. I mean, in the Europa League. I wish it was the Champions League. You've got Leicester City against Braga. You've got AC Milan versus Lille, due to be an interesting one. Young Boys against CSK Sofia. Hoffenheim versus Le Barek. I believe that's Red Star against Gent. You've got Celtic against Sparta Prague. And you've also got Zora against AEK Athens. So there's a lot of football to be played. Um, obviously, for the next podcast, which is on, which comes out on Friday, we'll talk about the Premier League. But there's Premier League on 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 Friday as well. So technically, there's a game for some for, for us football lovers to watch every day. You know, you had you had you had the Prem yesterday. You got the Champs today and Wednesday. Europa, if you're on that on Thursday, I'll be live streaming Friday, and then it's back to normal on the weekend. Really, business as usual. People moving away from all of that though, and getting into the other news and and. And what not people and the other things I've got to speak about. Um, what else? What have we got to speak about really? Let me go down. We've kind of covered that already. So there's no point boring you lot with that. Um, apparently Ryan Giggs has got himself in hot water people. I don't know the, the trueness of this. But apparently Ryan Giggs has denied an allegation of assault made against him. Apparently the Wells manager has been arrested on suspicion of assaulting his girlfriend. Several newspapers have reported his representatives say he denies all allegations of assault made against him and is cooperating against the, with the police. As you lot know, before this came out, the press conference he was due to speak in, which was planned for Tuesday, was cancelled. Um, he was due to announce the squad for the upcoming fixtures. Apparently, you know, the, 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 the relevant parties in Wales say they've been made aware of what's happening. Um, so we'll have, we'll have to see. Apparently, according to the three-letter newspaper that I don't want to give any clout to, the, poli the police were called to reports of a disturbance at the former Manchester United winger's home in Salford on Sunday night. Um, it quotes a Greater Manchester Police statement which says a 46-year-old man was arrested and questioned on suspicion of actually bodily harm and assaulting an assault involving a woman in her 30s who sustained minor injuries that did not require any treatment. It says the man has been released on bail pending further in 
inquiries and was it Nicky Butt on this sort of stuff didn't he get that as well I mean the class of 92 are tweaking man you all gotta just pattern up man I don't want to talk on a situation I don't know but it isn't good considering who Ryan Giggs is considering what people are gonna say and considering that he's Wales manager moving away from that Don I'm sure you all saw Pochettino was speaking on 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 Monday Night Football and as, as I said earlier there's a bunch of clubs he potentially could be ending up at and, and whatnot but he said I need to wait for the right project. I will not close any door. Does that mean you'll be on managing Barcelona, a team you've you've spoken of not too fondly because of your Espanol ties? He said, I always feel ready to be involved in the game. It's my passion, not my job. My energy is full and I want to be involved in the game. But at the same time, I need to understand that it's a good moment to wait. I learned when I was really young that football will dictate your way. I am waiting to feel which is the right project to take. Um, he also said, I don't feel like it's been one year not working because of the last seven or eight months without fans in the stadium. It did not feel like football. We are watching a similar game, but there is not the passion or emotion there. It's so strange and difficult and a, and a difficult time for everyone. So hopefully we see Pochettino back managing at some in some capacity. You know, former Manchester United assistant Rene Mulestein's been, been very critical of Paul Pogba. He said, He's, well, he's more said he needs to work hard and he's not world class. He said, you can have all the talents in the world, but it's about hard work. And it's hard work that brings the quality to the surface. For me, he hasn't worked hard enough. I can see it all the time. It's too slow. It's laboured. There's no urgency about it. And other teams can capitalise on it. He, and that's one thing, I, why my criticism of Pogba, I, I wouldn't go as far as this, but... And I think he is more consistent people give him credit for. But I just think, you know, his IQ, for all his ability and talent, his football IQ and his dick and his consistency should be way higher than this. You know, I think he can do it. But um and I think he's one of them he plays better with better players and I do think he is scapegoated. But it's just the intelligence. Some of the things he does, you know, he's been doing since he's eighteen, he needs to improve that. You know, he seems he's still very reactive and not proactive. He doesn't seem very calculated enough and on ability he's got it all. I think that's where I'm having Thiago over, or, or Kevin over him, really. Um, I'm not too sure about hasn't worked hard enough. I don't think that's fair. I wouldn't say hard, worked hard. I just don't think he's developed and improved his IQ enough. Um, but he said he's a very talented, talented player. Everyone's talking about him. He's world-class. He's world-class. I would never use world-class so easily because I know players past and present that and they deserve that accolade of being world-class. In my opinion, Pogba doesn't deserve that in any shape or form because I don't think he's lived up to expectations. I can't disagree with that, Rene. Um, I don't think we expect too much of him because of the player he has been and the trophies he's won. We expect even more from him, but that only comes from working hard and then it rubs off on other players. Not working hard, not working hard does as well because they start to question those performances. He's played in a very experienced, well-set-up team at Juventus with a lot of strong personalities and leaders. That's one thing Manchester United are lacking. He should be one of them, but he isn't. He isn't a natural leader, and I wouldn't say that's true. He might not be the traditional English leader, you know, socks, socks over knees, slapping man in and whatnot, but I think Pogba's a leader. And you can only see that by how he's played in the World Cup and all the things that have come up behind the scenes and what he's done at United as well, even in tough moments. I just feel, I do feel it's a bit like the Ozil thing, man, think you can fix everything. Like I said, I think Pogba can, you know, kick on and be a bit more consistent and needs to, and it is a bit frustrating, but, I, you know, he can't turn it around by himself. He's, you know, he's one of the new age guys. He's not going to shout at everyone for no reason. I do think he's a leader. I don't agree with that, Mullenstein. He said, um, you need to get him back where he can do the most damage, which is between the lines and in the pockets. At the moment, he's often in areas where he's crowded out. True, like against like against Arsenal on Sunday, 
One area where he's been poor, poor is that he gets the ball nicked off him too often. It's true. It's a constant puzzle. You need to win games. United have had their worst start to the Premier League at home. And I don't think Oli knows what his best 11 is, which is true. Um, and I'd agree with that. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is in that regards, people. Um, Ex-Barcelona manager sitting has been, and I can't pronounce his name, has been opening up on his relationship with Lionel Messi, people. Um, and he said, according to Mundo Deportivo, Messi questioned the tactics of him following the disappointing result against Bayern Munich, urging the coach to have respect for players who have won more than him. And I must admit, if that wasn't Messi, you know, and that's a manager to a player, that player should get his, his head bust, really, because what is all that about? You know, Messi's a quality player, but this is disruptive. And I'm not questioning Messi's attitude and things, but people make out Messi's mad humble and all of these things, which he might be, but he's a normal footballer like anybody. And, you know, this is, this is you know, if this was Ronaldo, man would be onto him. Um, but yeah, questions his tactics, which is fair play. And he also said, have respect for players who have won more than him. If, if that was me, you know, I'm trying to get you out of there, Messi. You can't talk to men like that. And he also, and then he replied to Messi, which apparently Messi responded laughing, which is quite funny. I'm not going to lie because he knew what I've got. And he said, if you don't like what I said, you know where the door is. And that's the way to reply. And that's one thing that probably harms Barcelona. As great as Messi is, you know, he is, I don't want to say he's bigger than the club, but he's bigger than any manager that goes there. There's a lot of politics in, in that regards. The only one he can't bad up is like a Guardiola or these sort of man there. He can't bad him up. So it is what it is in that regards, people. It really is what it is. Um... Yeah, man. Let's quickly, before we end this, let's talk about the transfers. Apparently, da David Alaba says he's disappointed and hurt at the way he has been treated by Bayern Munich after the European champions withdrew their offer of a con of a new contract. As you lot know, Alaba's in the final year of his deal, people, and apparently he's been demanding a five-year deal worth £125 million, £113 million for those in England. Apparently, it was withdrawn after the deadline for October the 31st was reached and it didn't happen. You know, it didn't come to it. And I can't blame the club. You set a deadline, do what you need to do. David Alaba can't keep sitting on his hands. You know, from, from a player perspective, you can. But the club, especially a club like Bayern Munich, ain't got time for that. Um, so it is disappointing and it probably raises the rumours of him being linked with City, with Real Madrid, with Barca and the rest of it, people. It would be Sad way to end what's been a good relationship between David Alaba and Bayern Munich. So we'll have to see. Apparently, Messi still wants to leave Barcelona and Man City could offer him a pre-contract in January so he can move in the summer. Apparently, you know, Manchester City are prepared to make Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne the highest paid players in the Premier League. Atletico Madrid have joined Bayern Munich and Seville in keeping tabs on 20-year-old Tariq Lamperty of Brighton. Samuel Chuck Weezy, the 21-year-old of Villarreal's interest in Manchester United, Everton, pardon me, and Leicester City. Um, PSG would be keen on a move for Deli Ali if he is made available in January. As you lot know, he was subject to loan moves elsewhere, but nothing happened. Darwin Nunes, a young Uruguayan striker who I've seen play for um, Uruguay international level, youth international level. He went to Almeria and he's now at Benfica, gaining a lot of plaudits. Apparently, Barcelona are looking at him to replace Luis Suarez and they will make an offer of 7 million for Manchester City and Spain defender Eric Garcia in January which they can also offer offer him a contract to move in the summer um, Lorente has been linked with Atletico Madrid um, former Spurs and, and current Napoli man which is a quite of a I don't know where he'd go and apparently finally well not finally but Conte said he turned down the, the chance to manage Real Madrid twice because he could not he did not want to take charge of a side who had already started their season and apparently Brighton as you lot know Brighton dropped 
Neil Mupay, their you know their top goal scorer, the twenty four year old against Spurs. Apparently, Graham Potter said it's because the Frenchman has had a bad attitude. And for someone that spoke after Guendouzi and said he lacks humility, you can see Mupay is a bit of a see you next Tuesday. But he must. Uh, you don't mind having them in your squad, but he must really be thinking he's Johnny Big Balls. And to be fair with you, this pro- when I hear stuff like this, this just means or screams to me you're angling for a move. You will be. You won't be better yet a Brighton player come next season. But we'll have to see. People, it's been lovely reviewing the Premier League with you, previewing the Champions League and Europa, talking about some several other football talking points as well. It's been a lovely odd 55 minutes, but I'm off. I'm actually going to, by the time this comes out, probably be nine-ish or something, so there'll still be enough time for you. I'm probably going to jump on live, on my live on YouTube, probably around 11, so look out for that. As I said, next edition of the Deluded Podcast, you can look for this every Friday, Tuesday and Friday. Well, as I said last time, Monday and Friday, the only exception it will come out on a Tuesday is that if there is obviously football being played on Monday in the Premier League because I don't like to miss teams out and whatnot. Um, so yeah, just make sure you're on the lookout Tuesday and Fridays. That's when it comes out. You know me, YouTube every day. There's a sort of content there. So just be, just make sure you've got all the alerts on. Make sure you're following across all socials. You know, links are in the description. Relevant places to go are all in the description. More importantly than that, please stay safe. And I hope you've all enjoyed the fifty odd minutes. But for now, people, DG, I'm out. Stay blessed, man. Thank you for listening. <laughs>